0: July 1937, the world's most famous woman pilot disappears during her attempt to circumnavigate the globe. In 1988, the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery, a small nonprofit known by its acronym, TIGER, began a science-based investigation of the Earhart disappearance. Decades of forensic research and a dozen South Pacific expeditions have now produced hard evidence from multiple disciplines to provide the long-sought answer to the riddle. In this series of conversations with Joan Sachs, Tiger Executive Director Rick Gillespie takes us step-by-step step through the adventures, the setbacks, and the discoveries that uncover the evidence that has solved aviation history's greatest mystery.
1: Hi, I'm Joan Sachs. Like many of you, I've read newspaper and magazine articles, and I've watched television documentaries about Tiger's adventures and discoveries. As a member of Tiger, I've participated in research, and I know there is so much more to the story that has never been told. I've known Rick Gillespie and his wife, Tiger co-founder Pat Thrasher, for many years. So when Rick asked me to help him bring the -the behind-the-scenes story of Tiger's Earhart expeditions to the public in a series of podcast episodes, I enthusiastically agreed. Over the years, there have been 12 Tiger expeditions to the South Pacific, and we've organized the podcast into seasons. To follow the progress of the investigation, you'll want to listen to the episodes and seasons in order. For newcomers, we make it easy to catch up with the story so far by publishing a compilation at the end of each season. Now let's get to the next episode. Hi, Rick. When we left off last time, you just arrived in Honolulu for the departure of the 2012 expedition using the University of Hawaii's oceanographic research ship, KOK. It was a complicated long name, but KOK. <laughs> right. And some very sophisticated underwater search technology, but you hinted that there were some issues. Oh
2: yeah, there are always issues. And in- oh
1: gosh, aren't they?
2: <laughs> uh, this one, okay. So we arrive in Honolulu on Wednesday, June twenty seventh, twenty twelve, and the plan was to sail for NICU the following Monday, which would be July second. The Oh, the 5th anniversary of the Hard Disappearance, you know, music yeah, up, a nice up to market. you know, a big deal. <laughs> and, uh okay, so we, we've got a, a small tiger team. Uh, there's just me, our cameraman, Mark Smith, who is shooting video for us and also for the Discovery Channel. Uh, oh. We had our underwater archaeologist, Megan licklitter mountain mm-hmm. And, yep. um... We had our own still photographer, Tiger member of the professional photographer, Lori Rubin, fantastic photographer. Yeah. And then we we had one sponsor team member. Uh, it, was, it was a Tiger member. Name was Andrew Sanger, who mm-hmm. um, made a significant contribution. And then, of course, then we had our millionaire sponsor, who was, yes,
1: who, I remember hearing about him
2: a million so, dollars. Wow. And so, okay, there we are. Discovery Channel, in addition to Mark shooting, they had another cameraman and a sound man and a producer. And, wow. And they were set up with a complete production suite aboard the ship. You see, they wanted a show to be ready to air within weeks of our return oh when,
1: gosh so they needed to be working on it while you were yeah
2: they're there. they're uh shooting editing and creating the show as we go i'd never heard of that happening i mean they're doing this on the fly Wow! Now, to do the actual searching we had these nine contractors there were there were five phoenix international technicians two instructors yeah from the AUV manufacturer to teach them how to use the new technology. You know, Phoenix had decided to buy one of these robot torpedo state-of-the-art things, but they didn't know how to uh-huh. use it, so they had these two technicians come along to do the on-the-job training. And um, then there were two technicians from submersible systems to run the, the ROV. Uh-huh. Okay, so we got a whole bunch of people. Yeah, really. Um, of course we've got to have a a Caribus customs representative always. Oh. Right. guy. guy. The original plan was for a customs rep from Christmas Island, which is uh I guess it's about 1500 miles from from Hawaii, but it's a lot closer than Tarawa. And there right. is airline service from Christmas to Honolulu. So oh. that that should be easier. Yeah. Do. But it turned out, we discover when we get to Hawaii, that the airline service from Christmas, the schedule had been changed. And now they were only doing it on Tuesdays. Oh. And here it is. And you were leaving on Monday. Yeah, this is Wednesday and we're leaving on Monday. So it's not going to work. Okay, so we can consult with Carabus over the... Over oh, the phone. Okay. We're talking to Tarawa. And the new plan is for us to stop at Canton Island on the way to Nikku and clear customs there.
1: Oh, and so is it on the way? I mean, sort of. not out
2: uh, of the it's way? It's a little bit out of the way. We'd probably lose a day doing it, but.
1: Will they come to you and.
2: Well, if. With the, the equipment to to in canton you just stop in and they clear you into the country and then you have to clear back out you have to go so this would be a a detour and it wasn't great and then it Mm. turns out wait a minute no we don't have a customs officer on canton oh Oh, all right well they came up with a new plan okay instead of going (laughs) By Kanta, why don't you go to Niku by way of Christmas Island, and then you can pick up your customs guy there. Yeah, uh, you know, the Christmas is. <laughs> what was that?
1: What did that mean? Like from time
2: standpoint, eighty nautical miles out of the way, what? and doing that detour, we're going to eat up most of our search days with longer trips. Yes, I mean it's just. Oh God, you know. Oh, what are we going to do about this? A bad start. Meanwhile, so
1: we're what happened?
2: Well, we were working on that. We were trying to think of something. We had a bigger problem th- to deal with. Oh, no. In, in our contract with, uh, with Phoenix, we had specified that we need high definition video on the ROV because it's going to be taken video of whatever we find on there. And it's got to be great. As quality, it's it's got to be good quality video. Well,
1: the submersible. I mean, otherwise, why would they do it?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, that's we've got to have good video of whatever happens. The submersible systems ROV had a standard definition camera, but very poor quality. Oh. It's it's not at all acceptable for what we needed. So, well. thanks rented a high definition camera to be mounted on the the SUV and they shipped that to Hawaii. Well, the guy from submersible systems that ran the ROVs his name was Wolfgang Burnside. No, I need...
1: <laughs> That sounds like it's from a cartoon.
2: Um I I need to explain Wolfgang. Okay. <laughs> Wolfgang is a Scotsman and he, uh, and he sounds like a Scotsman. Uh, Burnside, you know, okay, but, but Wolfgang, all right. Uh, <laughs> his father was in a black watch regiment during World War II and stationed in Germany after the war and met his wife who was a native German. Ah uh, so his well that
1: explains Wolfgang. So
2: his <laughs> wife named their child Wolfgang. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but, mm. And Wolf was a, a great guy. I I love Wolf. I mean he and I got along just famously. Um uh. but he had never seen this camera until it got to Hawaii. And and he got to Hawaii and discovered that there's a fundamental mismatch between the camera system and the ROV system. The, oh, no. The, the camera was not controllable from the uh, command center we had in this container setup, and oh, he'd be unable to trigger the recording on it. It's not going to work. And without HD recording capability on the ROV, there's no point in doing the expedition. And we've got three days before we're supposed to leave to figure this out. Oh jeez. So we go to Phoenix International to, hey, you guys, uh what you ended up sending us is really just a a consumer grade Sony Handycam in a waterproof housing and the system doesn't match up with the ship's system. And they said, "Well, you guys have to figure this out." But cuz we're Totally consumed here in getting our AUV set up and running. It's our new toy, and we got to know how to use it. And so, you guys feel it. So here's Mark Smith, our camera guy, and Wolfgang and me standing there scratching our heads, and we gotta we gotta somehow figure this up. But this is up to us. So okay, the ship's power is not steady enough to. Work with the with the uh, the ROV camera, so we we need clean- like not consistent enough. Well, we, we need cleaner power. It needs to be more steady. The ship's it's an old ship, and and the power fluctuates too much. So what we need to do is go get a motorized generator to put between the ship's power and the ROV to, to smooth it out. Hmm. That should solve the problem. But that connection requires a special adapter, just a little thing, you know, about the size of your thumb that doesn't oh. seem to exist in Honolulu. I mean, <laughs> oh. okay, so turning back to our Kiribati rep problem, the mm-hmm. best solution to this seems to be to delay our departure for a day so that he can come on the Tuesday. And that'll work. We won't be able to depart on the anniversary of the flight and all that, but it's better right going to Christmas Island. Now I've got to buy an airline ticket for him. His name is Sam Thickory. Uh, I, I got to buy a ticket for Sam, uh, but I can't do that until I get his passport information. And so there's this mad scramble where we're going back and forth in email and getting in touch with him, and he's got to send us her his passport information. We got that sorted out, and I got him his oh. ticket, and he's all set to arrive Tuesday morning, and we'll sail as soon as he leaves customs on July 3rd. Hmm. Okay, so here it is Saturday, and Mark has found the needed adapter for the HD camera system by turning Honolulu upside down even so the image quality is going to be marginal it's just not a very good camera
0: Hmm.
1: i don't understand why they would bother putting a marginal camera on a piece of equipment that was so highly technical and expensive
2: well that kind of puzzled us too i I was not happy you know the 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 way I'm, i'm feeling like han solo in the trash compactor you know i've i got a bad feeling about this.
1: Oh, gosh. You're at way more than three strikes
2: right now. On Sunday, July 1st, uh, FedEx holds this big press conference. And uh, they've got a nice tent there at Dockside with KOK towering above the the podium and there's good food and, and cnn is there and the local news affiliates are there and, and i put on a brave face and tell everybody <laughs> how we're gonna go out and find amelia okay and yeah, you do what you have to do yeah. <laughs> um, the next day uh july 2nd today we were supposed to leave kok went out and down to the fueling dock and took on forty six thousand gallons of of diesel.
1: Oh my God! Really,
2: forty six thousand. And of course, the, the original sales job was that. Uh,
1: right. It was uh, to get
2: paid for by uh, the oil company, but yeah. oh. we're <laughs> we're paying for the fuel. Wow! And then the next morning, uh, Sam arrived as scheduled. And cleared customs, and we got aboard the ship, and we go down the channel uh, past the Aloha Tower, the famous uh, landmark, uh. and turn out to sea, and you have Diamond Head there slowly receding in the distance. And <clears throat> I, had, I had done this before, 21 years before, in 1991, when we said...
1: Yes, I, I remember when you were leaving. Yeah. Yeah. And you were thinking that you're going the same route that they had gone out to search for Amelia? Yes,
2: we were following in the wake of the USS Colorado. This whole yeah. thing was feeling like an old movie. You know? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was pretty cool. You know, they've got the, this huge ship and I'm standing up there on the bridge wing.
1: Wait, do you did you have your hat on? Oh yeah,
2: have-
1: <laughs> Rick has a great selection of oh, hats. Oh yeah, yeah, you've,
2: you've got to have your admiral's hat on. And, uh, <laughs> and I I, I no, felt like Chester Nimitz, man. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah, this, this is the ship twice the size of the one we used in '91, hmm. and in, with wow. an expedition that's um, more than four times the cost. You know,
1: it's a little daunting.
2: Yeah, I mean, it felt like we're we're also duplicating the budget of World War II, <laughs> <laughs> oh. and, and like we don't have all the money raised yet. You know, here we go. We're, we're, oh. we're four hundred thousand dollars short, but we're underway. Hmm. Okay, so as we plod southward, KOK proves to be slower than advertised.
1: Uh, oh no, really?
2: These Good for maybe nine knots.
1: Well, how did that happen?
2: Well, everybody tells you their ship will do ten knots. And they it. Yeah. they never do. Uh she's wow. she can make nine knots on a good day, and it's gonna take us nine days to reach Niku instead of eight days.
1: Oh no. And we're already
2: a day late getting started. It's,
1: do you have any slush time on the far end? Like, no. Could, do you possibly yep. get back later?
2: No. You've got the oh. charter is set. Oh, You're right, right. For.
1: So no matter how many days of research you get, you still pay the same price for the Well,
2: the, you charter you yeah. the ship for a certain number of days. Right. Then, whether you spend that time searching or riding right. on the ocean is... <laughs>
1: Yeah, And so, as
2: it turned out, looked like we were going to have eight days on site instead of 10. And that's a 20% loss of search time. I know.
1: That's so frustrating. Yep.
2: Well, you know. Same overhead. Yep. Well, we arrived off Nicomararo at 1.30 a.m. local time on July 12th. The sea was calm. Scattered clouds, light easterly wind. It's gorgeous. You know, it's another beautiful goddamn day at Nicomararo. (laughs) <laughs> and KOK immediately began collecting mapping data with uh, their hull-mounted multi-beam sonar, mapping sonar. So uh, they got right to work. And then after daylight, we got the AUV launched and ballasted. You've you got to trim the thing up. You put it in the water, and it's, it's got a float level, and there's a lot of oh, okay. running around with it. But by lunchtime, it was ready for a test run. Oh, cool. Which was quickly aborted because it th- was Why? not behaving the way it was supposed to behave. It, it wouldn't oh. do what it was supposed to do. All right. Got to figure that out. Got to reprogram it. By lunchtime, it was ready for a test run. Put it back in the water and they try again. And it's still not right. It keeps coming back to the surface instead of going off and doing what it's supposed to do. And so um, by God. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we gave up to hoist the thing back aboard. Said, so, well, let's at least test the ROV. See how that goes. So we wow. put the ROV in the water, and it worked great. It was just right. It was fine. Oh, good.
1: Is that's the first thing yeah. that's been just right. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe lunch was, but well,
2: okay. So wow. Now it's four thirty, and we're gonna try the AUV again. Uh, we they they think they've got it fixed. We'll we'll try it for a four hour test, and if if that goes well, they'll Put it back in the water for a 12-hour all-night mission. Because that's kind of what we needed to do, is run this thing all night. Uh. So we put it in the water at 4.30 for this four-hour test run. And less than uh, an hour later, it's hung up somewhere. Off the main lagoon passage at a depth of 1,604 feet. We don't know why, but it won't come up. It's stuck somewhere we're going to have to go rescue this thing with the ROV. Mm. That means Wolfgang has to get the thing set up for a deep mission. uh, And it's getting dark. And Wolfgang's worried because the tether for the ROV had to be spliced to accommodate the high definition video feed. Lice had not had time to cure. It's like a glue stuff that you put on it. And he didn't feel comfortable that there'd been enough time for the thing to to really be watertight. And if the splice failed at depth, the tether would, tether would be ruined.
1: But what about, I mean, does that mean the ROV takes off on its own? No. Or, I, I mean, you means, can still recover yeah, it?
2: Instead of having the thing on an umbilical where you can control it, and it's like you have it on a rope.
1: <laughs> right. You know, oh, geez. All you can do is
2: haul it back aboard. And it's no tether, no ROV. But we've got a $2 million AUV stuck underwater that needs immediate rescue. So you have to take the chance. At 8 p.m., Wolfgang felt we were ready, and and, um, he launched the ROV. We're ready to start the search. And he goes off looking for it, and he can't find the AUV. Wow. Now
1: in what way were they trying to search it, it, for it? it? Did it have lights or GPS guidance? No, it's
2: purely visual. That oh the AUV has a um a strobe light on it that flashes and the ROV oh. has a camera that we're seeing in real time.
1: Oh
2: so you're just swimming around watching for this strobe. Where you can go zoom in on that but wow. can't can't see anything, but in the process of searching, apparently, the ROV tether snagged on the AUV, even though we didn't see it wow. we we snagged it with the with the tether, which knocked it free, and the AUV came to the surface.
1: Wow, well, Ooh. what about the the ROV? Oh, the Did ROV the was fall? fine
2: yeah it it was good no damage to the rov auvs on the surface unharmed and by 11 o'clock that night we had both the auv and the rov back aboard wow all we'd accomplished the first day was almost losing (laughs) both of our search devices (laughs) now (laughs) so there's all this running around trying to deal with these emergencies and making decisions and all of this was being filmed. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, the cameras are, are there all the time. At least one camera was following me everywhere I went. Oh, my gosh. I was wearing two, sometimes three mics. <laughs> everything I said.
1: Oh, no. I can imagine that. I Much <laughs> of
2: it required some judicious editing. It was not-
0: oh, gosh. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, all right, let's talk about day two. <clears throat> Eight o'clock <laughs> in the morning, they launched the AUV for a one-hour test, and it seems to be working okay. Wow. And they re- reprogram it for a four-hour data collection run. And maybe we'll finally get some work done. It goes out, <laughs> and it does... Now, remember, the reason we're using an AUV instead of towed array, is the AUV being totally independent of the ship, it's not being towed. So it can be programmed to fly down the reef slope and then turn around and fly back up the reef slope. So you're getting a good image off both sides of the torpedo, the the AUV. Right. Well... Great in theory. What actually happened is it, it did a successful downhill run, but when it turned around to come back up, it bumped its nose into the slope oh. trying to come back up. Now that triggers an emergency ascent. It, oh, no. it drops it out of weight and the whole
1: So it gives up? It just gives up. Oh
2: yeah. Well it says, Oh, something bad happened. Abort, abort. <laughs> It drops the weight, oh. and it comes back to the surface. Of course, it takes an hour and a half to get back up to the surface.
1: Oh, jeez. Okay.
2: So we we bring it back aboard, and we find out that the collision with the reef slope had cracked one of the lithium battery housings.
1: Oh, no. And
2: lithium bat- These are big lithium battery oh, batteries. Oh, gosh, I bet. And it was leaking water the damaged battery is smoking like the devil and shorting out uh, the rest of the system. They get this thing on deck and they get it opened up. And we've, got, this is a very dangerous situation because if, if the bat, if the battery had spilled onto the deck, it, it could, it would eat right down through the hull of the ship. Oh gosh. So uh, this is major full firefighting precautions. Uh, everybody.
1: And they knew how to do oh, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was something that this
2: is a uh, trained. They're, they're trained for this. But it,
1: the crew or the people running oh, the,
2: the, 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 um, the AV. crew had their firefighting okay. training and they knew how to deal with this kind of thing. And they were all over it well, and nothing bad happened, but it was uh, of concern. Okay, so we take yeah. care of the AUV gets repaired,
1: and they had an extra battery on board. Oh yeah. yeah,
2: they've got extra battery. They replace what parts, and they they find that even though the um, run had been aborted because of the collision with the reef slope, the data they collected was okay. good. Oh, that's good. Uh, okay, the, the the downhill data was good. Okay, new plan. We're gonna fly downhill and then tell the AUV to just come back up and we'll go downhill again. Don't don't try to fly back up, just come straight back home and then we'll do another run down.
1: You have to reprogram it every no no they, for every they, run.
2: They they can program it to go down the slope at the bottom
1: and just film on the downhills. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well they're 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 going to be collecting data as it floats back Good. up, but there's not going to be anything interesting there, right. but at least I think we keep right. working
1: yes and okay. and then go
2: back cool. and do another downhill run. We call this the ski resort solution, you know you <laughs> ski down the hill uh, and then you come back up on the ski lift and you ski down again
1: <laughs> well, how did that work out
2: well. The, um, the ski resort solution worked. It, it, they collected good data that way, and the thing didn't get busted. But, of course, it's not collecting data at the same rate. At that
1: half the rate. You're collecting
2: right? data at half the rate, at best, that you were before. Mm-hmm. Well, you do what you have to do. Okay. Yeah. Now it's day three. Eight o'clock the next morning. We recovered the AUVF for a successful all-night mission. Got a lot of good data that was to be processed. And we launched the ROV for a six-hour visual search of the reef slope. We're going to go down and see what we can find. Okay, so you, you got to imagine this. We got this big old shipping container on deck that's set up as a command center. It's packed with high-tech stuff. And there's like a, a cockpit where Wolfgang and I sit side by side, and there are these big screens in front of us where we're seeing real-time pictures of what the ROV is seeing. It, uh. It's dark, you know, and it's quiet. Uh, Wolfgang flies with a control stick off to the side. And my job is to just sit there and, and watch what we're seeing, and hoping that something interesting is going to turn up.
1: Well, this sounds like a very different day than you had normally spent on Nick. Oh,
2: geez, yeah. I mean, th- this is <laughs> it, it. It's kind of weird. You, you sit in this little cockpit, and and because you're looking at the uh, whatever the R V is seeing in real time, and because you're so isolated from the rest of the world, it creates this illusion that you're there in the ROV. It's like you feel like you're down there with it.
1: Oh, interesting. And, uh, were your um, photographer tags in there with you? Were you being filmed for that too?
2: They, Mark had a camera set up uh, that was watching me and Wolfgang. Oh, just
1: running, just running all the time? All the
2: time Getting to get our uh, reactions. Because if something were to turn up on the screen, Oh, gosh. Dramatic, yes. They'd want to have our reaction to that. And that's right. the thing. You're you're sitting there and it's, it's like, okay, so you're 300 meters down, 984 feet. And it's like searching wow. a rugged mountainside on a dark night with a flashlight in a snowstorm. <laughs> because there are all these little white flakes of uh, pieces of... Coral that the fish have chewed off, and uh, up higher, and it's just kind of snowing this stuff. It's strange, yeah. and it's hour after hour of this nothing but coral, and yet you 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 know that any moment something might appear. That will change your life. <laughs> really?
1: Yeah. I mean, you have to be afraid to look away.
2: Right. And yet I couldn't stay awake.
1: <laughs> I can picture that. Not
2: oh. shaking myself. And Mark sitting out there watching and laughing his ass. <laughs> oh
1: my. Oh. So, you
2: know, that's that's what it was like. It, it you it, it felt like a spaceship <laughs> you know yeah really. they're like you're in the nose of the millennium falcon or something <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
2: all right so we did that for six hours and that afternoon we recovered the rov and then at five forty-five we launched the rov for another mission but the generator failed and Oh. Blackout of uh, uh, the propulsion, video, positioning, telemetry, everything. We're blind, no control. We got to bring the thing back aboard.
1: Oh, geez. Is this the generator on yeah, that was that, supposed that, to be evening out? We or? had put on board. Yeah. But that,
2: that thing failed. And, and in the meantime, we got this ROV down there that we don't have a control over. And we were really worried the tether might fall on the ship's propellers, screws. Oh, gosh. Which would. Yes, that would
1: be dangerous. Really well.
2: But it didn't happen. We recovered the ROV safely and another little adventure. <laughs> all right, so at 7.30 that night, <clears throat> we launched the AUV for another all- all-night mission.
0: Mm.
1: So it liked the ski run. missions. Oh, yeah. Missions. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we collected
2: good data good. and hmm. recovered the AUV the next morning. This would be day four. Recovered the data and it's being processed, see, see what they could see. And by ten thirty in the morning we launched the ROV again to investigate some targets that were in, identified in left. Oh, that's prime. interesting. You know, they, well, we saw a couple things here that looked like they might be man-made objects. We we go off with the ROV looking for those things and we find them. Um, there were two targets and both of them turned out to be coral boulders. Oh, well, Now we know that things that <clears throat> the AUV identifies as possible man-made objects can be big old coral boulders. Hmm. Okay. They identified another uh, target that we found. Turned out to be a heavy metal hatch. Uh, oh. Norwich City uh, shipwreck debris.
1: Oh, wow. Yes, there would be that down
2: there. And what was really interesting about that is they had identified this isolated target. Oh, there's something over here you ought to check out. We go check it out, find out that it's a piece of Norwich City debris. But in the process of that, we see and fly over a whole big debris field of Norwich City debris, all kinds of big stuff.
1: Oh, that's frustrating. So it missed it? It you, missed all
2: that? The UV never saw it. They flew right over it and Uh-oh. didn't see it. They, they found this one little thing that we then went and found. But Why didn't they see? Good grief. If, if they can miss a shipwreck, what else can they miss? You know, it, it, sonar is like that. It's, you're, you're dealing with sound echoes. You're bouncing sound off things. And if you bounce it at the wrong angle, it doesn't register. You, you don't pick up anything, and so you, you, you can miss stuff. And boy, this was an example. They they, they were really embarrassed when we came back and said, "Yeah, well, look what you guys missed." By this time, the guys had put this big taped sign across the top of their their video monitors where they're processing all this data in there. It says, worst possible environment. <laughs> <laughs> this is as bad as it can get. You know, this is the oh, place to try to use a solar.
1: Well, it's but, a good lesson for them, but I'm sorry you had to pay for well, it.
2: Yeah, that wasn't what we had in mind.
1: No. Uh, <laughs> you had in mind what they said they could yeah. do.
2: So out they go. They're, they're going to try again, see if they can see the shipwreck wreckage uh, And... uh the next morning, we recover the a u v and find out that during the night it had run into the bottom on a downhill run. It just oh. base plant into the bottom thanks and <laughs> gathered the nose cone on the thing but oh. this time it kept going it at least it didn't abort and we it collected some really good data. oh, all right, fine. So they bring the. So you
1: know where the where the Norwich.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, debris oh, yeah. field
1: is so you've got that really well documented. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, and <laughs> okay. and they they had collected a lot of data on the Norwich City wreckage before. Oh, good. <laughs> well, and, and I guess after they busted the nose.
0: Yeah.
2: So there. No
1: water damage from the shattered nose.
2: Uh, there's there was no battery damage apparently. Uh, oh, good. And they they had another nose that they put on it. And, you know, they're uh, fixing that. We launched the ROV to go check out some of the stuff that they had seen in the Norwich City wreckage. Mm-hmm. But then we have to abort because we're getting intermittent HD camera outages.
1: Oh, how uh, frustrating.
2: So we bring it back aboard and we switch to the spare camera and rig it all up again. And we're ready to redeploy about an hour later, and we discover that the ship's throttles are not working correctly. Now, really, (laughs) you see, when you have an ROV over the side and it's tethered to the ship with this umbilical, oh, you've got to keep the ship where it belongs, it's got to be. Um, you've got a bow thruster and and your rather your regular propellers, but you you're having to carefully manage the ship's position, and that means a lot of action with the the throttle on the thrusters and the propellers. And K-O-K was an old boat, and it just wasn't handling it, and they needed to to work on the throttles, get them back working. So. Did they-
1: do they come with a mechanic? I mean, part of their crew? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. To do that? They, they know how to yeah. fix their boat? But, yeah. you know, hmm. we are stuck again, not wow. in the job that we're out there to do. Right. So while we're waiting for them to fix the throttles, we're examining this AUV data from last night. And lo and behold, it shows something. It's a sonar return that looks for all the world like an airplane wing. Oh, gosh. Right in with the Norwich City wreckage. And we had always figured that there was that possibility that wreckage from the Electra could end up in amongst the Norwich City wreckage. That just makes sense. Yeah, well, the Electra went over the edge of the reef in 1937. The ship was already there, but the stern of Norwich City didn't break off and tumble down the reef slope until
1: 1939.
2: Oh. Huh. <laughs> we said, oh, my God, what if, what if the stern of Norwich City fell on top of the airplane wreckage?
1: Yeah, or <laughs> definitely could see that it could be a, among yeah
2: debris. And so we weren't terribly surprised. To see you know it's it's at about a thousand feet down where the stern ended up most of it and we got this image that god that looks like a wing we can see the ribs it's the right shape really get down there with the rov and check this out but that's a bad neighborhood for an rov because you've got all the shipwreck wreckage and if you get your tether hung up on wreckage oh right you're in trouble yeah, this, huh. this is not a good place to be flying an ROV. So
1: the ROV is basically dragging the tether around.
2: Oh, it's just dragging it around.
1: Yeah. You, you've huh, got a
2: floats further back on the tether to kind of keep it up, but mm. you've just got this long tail you're dragging along.
1: Yeah, that's not good.
2: And and it's not unusual at all for the tether to get hung up on something. It's usually an outcropping of coral, and you have to stop and back up and figure out, mm, okay, unhook it. All right, now we're good. And it's just part of the game. But shipwreck wreckage is, is not something you want to be messing with. But no, that's where our target is. So by 1.30 <laughs> in the afternoon, the throttles are fixed, and we launch the ROV, and we go and we poke around in the wreckage, and we can't. Find the damn wing target.
1: Oh, rats!
2: All right, all right. Enough. We'll we'll try this tomorrow. So, by about five thirty, we recover the ROV, and at nine o'clock that night, we launch the um, the AUV for another all night mission. It's been a frustrating day. You know, we lost uh- the entire morning due to mechanical issues with first the ROV and then with the ship. But, and
1: what's everyone else doing, while while you're well, investigating this? While
2: while Wolfgang and I are,
1: yeah, you're in the in the
2: cockpit, yeah, and I'm, I'm we're, <laughs> and
1: I, we know what Mark and, and
2: and and they're they're shooting video, and the uh, the AUV guys are in their little. Uh, room with all their monitors, and they're processing the data collected by the uh, the AUV no, before. Yeah, and, I get that. Right. But what
1: about the people that came with you? The the well, um,
2: sponsor Megan, the underwater archaeologist, is really right. Standing by, waiting to be an under- have
1: something to investigate. Yeah,
2: and to archaeologize. Yeah, <laughs> How's that for a- Yes, I.
1: That's uh, a- yeah, I didn't realize I was yeah. a bird.
2: <laughs> okay, and uh, the and and Laurie Rubin, our photographer, she's around snapping our picture. <laughs> oh gosh! Here's Rick smiling. Here's Rick yelling at somebody. <laughs> Here's Rick wishing he was dead.
1: <laughs> and what what about your like nobody's gone on land, right? Oh no, 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 This is all at this point,
2: nobody's been on land. You so.
1: What were your sponsors doing? Sponsors are just hanging out
2: with their hands in their pockets and (sighs) reading books. And uh, there's, Hmm. they wanted to come along and we warned them. I said, there's not going to be, you're an observer, really. Uh, Hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, that sounds tedious, maybe.
2: Yeah. Well, so
1: what do you have left
0: now? They
2: weren't complaining. They weren't saying oh my god we thought you guys were competent yeah <laughs> yeah so did we so that's where we were uh, it'll, but at least we've got an interesting target to investigate yes there, that is there'll true. be a happy ending to this thing hmm. we have three days left you know we i hope we've got all the different bugs fixed and things no, seriously and, yeah Yeah, things were about to get a lot worse.
1: What? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) We'll
2: we'll talk about that next time.
1: Oh, Oh, gosh. Okay, well, I'm I'm eager to hear. (laughs) Okay, we'll see you next time. Thank you, Rick.
0: Thanks for listening. The Earhart Expeditions is a serial history of Tiger's 12 expeditions to the South Pacific. We release a new episode each Tuesday. You can receive special bonus episodes and get access to Tiger's extensive video library by becoming a premium subscriber. Just go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and search on Tiger, T-I-G-H-A-R. You can also be a part of the adventure and participate in research. Go to Tiger.org and click on Join Tiger. See you next Tuesday.